When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove. Um, today we've got Lee Ryder and Chris Woff and the Daily Mirror as Simon Bird. How are we all? We are all good? Yeah, not bad. You, you always hesitate, Chris, when I ask that. You don't... The enthusiasm. Well, I'm sitting in a room um, with you, so there's always that... <laughs> It's a quiet Tuesday. It is. It's never a great day to be at work on a Tuesday, and there's nothing happening, and there's football elsewhere. But you know, make the best of it. Well, exactly. Well, I was just going to say that probably the most positive news out of the last few days was the FA Cup victory against Luton, and then that kind of went out the window last night with the potential draw at Chelsea. Chris, what did you make of of that? I mean, how did you feel when you saw the numbers getting drawn out of the hat? Well, it was frustrating, I think, for a lot of Newcastle fans who, for the first time in a while believed that maybe a cup run was possible a strong team at the weekend played reasonably well eventually won at home and then you see that you've probably got Chelsea it could be Norwich um, and I suppose it, that, that sort of deflates you a little bit and I think that's almost the problem with, with the FA Cup at the moment is that over the last 10-15 years unless you're the top six until you get to the quarter-final stage I think it's difficult to really believe that you can win it because of the, the strength of some of the teams but on saying that Ian Norwich could go and still do something obviously that they held Chelsea at the weekend and then second of all from a Chelsea point of view they put out a reserve team didn't do that much if they were to do the same in the next round depending on what team Newcastle play it'd be interesting to see what could happen there but there are going to be complicating factors there it depends on Newcastle's result in the meantime and they play Burnley just a few days after whereas they didn't have a Premier League game this time so overall I think that from the weekend it has to be positive they're through the fourth round they got the win, great atmosphere, great day for both Newcastle and Luton. Um, and then, yeah, a bit deflating from from the tie, but we've just got to wait and see what happens, and then hopefully Newcastle can have a bit of a go. It was a decent performance, Lee, on, on Saturday against Luton. A strong strong, strong side, so you'd expect it, a good performance, but it, you know they, they, they did what they needed to do. Yeah, I mean, first half was faultless, really. I mean, just blew Luton away, and then second half, you, you never really expect, do you, that they're going to replicate the, the first half. And... Sure enough, I was expecting more from Luton on the day, and then the second half, they really turned up and piled the pressure on and had that one that got choked off being allowed. I think that might have been a tense finish and could quite easily have had a, a difficult uh, away game for the replay. But they got through, and it was most boxes were ticked, so it's um, brilliant. But the obviously, the FA Cup draw last night just took the edge off everything. And obviously, it was the first win Simon, at home since October. So, how yeah. important was it just to get that win over the line? I think that was reflected in the team that Benitez picked. Though he, he went for a really strong lineup, you could argue it was almost the strongest. Um, and I thought they were really professional about it, did their job. Um, and just to get just to get the feeling of winning again and scoring goals at home was really important because there's been some really grinding matches recently, um, which haven't been great. Um, so. You know, it was it was really it was really quite a positive day, and I think that it was quite refreshing to see the ticket prices lowered um, and a load of different fans in. There was a different feel. There was people with their kids, loads of tweets from from fans taking their kids for the first time, 
and I think that was that was quite important and made for made for a, a nice afternoon actually. But yeah, like like the guy said, um, the cup draw is a bit of a killer. Um, I think Benitez knew he had a week to prepare for Swansea, so he, he picked a strong lineup. Um, if Newcastle get if they end up playing Chelsea and it gets put on the Sunday, and they've got Burnley on the Wednesday uh, in the next round. I think you might see a, a bit of a different team selection, and he'll be protecting himself for the for the league match, which will be more important. He regards as more important, and I think most Newcastle fans would regard as probably priority as well. You've got to remember the political situation that was last day in the FA Cup as well. That the fourth round, that the team that Benitez picked, there was certainly, well, certainly perceived, and I would argue that the part of that selection was because he hadn't got the players he wanted by that stage. If that is the case. With just a few days left in the window, that could well play a part in whatever team he does pick in this game as well. If he isn't able to bring in players before then, but I know we're going to get on that. And just briefly, Lee, obviously, one uh, slight worry was Jamal Lascelles coming off, but we think it was just precautionary and he's going to be fine for the Swansea game. Yeah, I expect him to be fine. I had a quick chat. He obviously done all the the, the guys as well in it, a bit of a huddle, but I had a separate chat with him and he said he was he was fine. He just didn't want to to risk uh, any sort of further aggravation on the in- injury um, and came off early and basically said he had his eye on the Swansea game which he scored the goal in in the reverse fixture so he's going to be a massive player on Saturday Fantastic. Did anyone stand out for you Simon on Saturday obviously Manquilla was on the right Dummett's getting back to full fitness so it'll be interesting to see who yeah. starts maybe against Swansea did anyone stand out for you? Uh, I thought Perez I mean I, I quite like Perez I, th- I think he's a clever player and I think he was pretty untouchable Um in the first half, they, they couldn't lay a finger on him, and he, and he got a couple of goals. Um, he's really frustrating because he looks like he's got the potential to nail down as, as the position as, as, a, as a creative number ten, um, and he's got some decent assists this year. Um, but you're never entirely convinced. That clearly, Rafa isn't either because he pulled him out of the team for a while. Um, you know, I just thought it was a it was a really. So I think the one positive over the last two or three games is is Murphy has really come into his own. Um, he's starting to relax a bit. I think he admitted in the program piece he did um, how he felt a bit uptight and a bit nervous when he first joined, as you would as a young lad. Um, just the size of the stadium and the, and the size of the club he's come to from Norwich. Um, but I think he's been a real positive in the last few games. His pace, he's, he's kind of a bit like Gutierrez used to be, and they, they can chuck him the ball and he can relieve pressure by just herring off into a space. Everyone can move up the pitch um, and it just relieves the pressure on the defence and everyone can reposition and get up the up the pitch. Um, I think he's going to be an important player in the relegation battle. Obviously, we're in January, so transfers is the key, but for that, the squad maybe is lacking quality. You, Benitez has got quite a good few options on the wings, obviously, Murphy. Aaron's is there, Atu, Richie. It's not a bad selection to choose from, Chris. It's not a bad selection. I just think that the issue is that as soon as there's one or two injuries, then then you do limit yourself. When Atu was injured early in the season, this was before Murphy was really seen as being Premier League ready. Benitez was easing him in. And at that stage, Newcastle did look a bit thin. You'd argue that over the last few weeks, the way Murphy, Murphy's grown, seen a few flashes here and there from Aaron's that he does have options, but... They're still not exactly proven Premier League players. They're not players who you can 100% say they're definitely going to make the difference on Saturday. And I think that's what Newcastle are lacking at the moment. There's certainly positives there. Um, the, the Christmas period has relieved a fair amount of pressure, but they're still very much in the thick of it. And got to hope that, that these players can... I think signings would also aid the, the group who are there. I think it would give a, give a lift to everyone on Tyneside, including those players. Increased competition, which is what Benitez wants. And there are positives there, but I think there needs to be an injection as well. Transfer-wise, it was mentioned uh, in various reports this morning that 
uh, Benitez probably has to sell before he buys. But that's maybe nothing new. We kind of had a feeling that would be be the case. Uh, well, certainly in terms of squad size, he's basically the squad is full in terms of Premier League register players. He wants Jack Colback off the books. Jamie Sterry is available. So in terms of moving players on, there was always a belief of that, and also there are potentially saleable assets like Mitrovic, like Mbemba, but Newcastle are going to want significant money for both of them and they would also want a replacement lined up before they sign new ones. So business is already difficult this month. I think players will go, but I think it's more the fringe players to, to, to alleviate space to bring players in rather than necessarily has to generate funds. Um, I think, I think that the problem he's got at the minute is there is a real block at the top. So Benitez has spent weeks now phoning people, setting up deals, finding out what people cost, doing his figures, exactly like he did in the summer, really thorough, almost doing the business case for every player that he wants to sign and knowing where it's going. Um, and he's got these de- deals on the table uh, and he needs someone at the top to sign it off. Now, Lee Charney clearly cannot sign deals off himself. Um, he, he, if, it's, if it's spending money and adding to the wage bill, he hasn't got the authority to do that. He needs to go to another layer above him uh, in London, Mike Ashley, Justin Barnes, whoever is controlling the purse strings at the club at the minute. And that is blocking Rafa Benitez in everything he tries to do at the minute. He could have got deals in a week ago, uh, right at the start of the window, and he wanted them done. Um, but that is what is holding the club back. It's, just, it's ridiculous. It, that, and we said to him the other day, can you not just get you know, Lee, to, Lee to sign the deals off? And, it, and, it, and he answers the questions very politically and very cleverly and doesn't give too much away. But, but it clearly is a big frustration. Um, that he can't get these these deals done. That's the problem. I, d- I do think that there probably is a bit of a budget left for him from what he spent, um, you know, in, in the summer. And I think he he thinks there is maybe ten to fifteen million pounds there for him to spend. Um, that's but ten to fifteen million buys you not very much. That's why he's shopping around. You might get a quality player for a couple of million loan fee, um, bigger quality that you, than he can afford. So that's why he's looking at loans at the minute. So, but the problem is just getting it done. And getting the say so from the person who owns the club or is controlling the club at the minute to get it damn well done. I mean, it is a bit farce, or shall we say, Lee, that Benitez admitted on Friday before the looting game that he still doesn't know his budget. We are now 9th of January, so that was what that was the that was that was the fifth. How can yeah. a club like Newcastle United not be prepared for this? Well, we're almost halfway to his sort of self-imposed deadline when he said the 20th. So you know, nothing's really close maybe the Kennedy deal is the only one uh, from Chelsea on loan but you know now Newcastle are playing them in the cup and yeah. does that play some kind of part I don't, I, I don't know we'll have to wait and see but well, the one thing you say about Rafa Benitez is he's so honest when he's answering questions on the record you know he, to come out and impose your own transfer deadline is is quite uh, a good line for, for us guys to, to, to be writing I think from his point of view, he's very frustrated. You know, he's, the squad needed improvement in the summer. Didn't happen. It needs improvement now. It hasn't happened so far. Last January, nothing happened as well. You can only really upset a top flight manager, a top class manager like Rafa Benitez, so many times. And you know, I just fear in the eventually in the long term, you'll get a better offer and you'll go somewhere else and say, you know, I've, I've tried my best with with these people. I've tried my best to bring a trophy here. Build a squad, build a team, but you know I've got to be able to have a better challenge elsewhere. So you're just hoping this takeover does happen. And how important is that twentieth of twentieth uh, of January deadline? I mean, if by then he hasn't got the players he wants, what happens then? Do you think? Well, I think he, 
the, maybe the reason he said it is because so the fans can judge themselves. So on January twentieth, they haven't sent any players. There's clearly the progress hasn't happened. So it means that potentially things might not happen, especially cash signings. Um, but you know, as Simon said, there, there's not that much money. It's clearly not that much money. There is maybe t- ten to fifteen million floating around. But that what does that buy you? You know, the guy who went to Everton sent Tossin. 27 million 27 million now seems to be the average price for for a, for a goal scorer so a Newcastle nowhere near that so it, it's a bit of a mess but are we surprised I think he probably wants to get people off, off the wage bill as well I mean we're told the wage bills you know 90 odd million mm-hmm. which is quite a lot um, Newcastle as a club definitely with their income wouldn't want to be pushing it too much higher so it's it's almost not rather than buy to sell it's almost Lighten the wage bill first and free up free up that money that budget, um, which has become a problem. It's a, it's a huge wage, wage bill. It's the case that obviously we've heard about rumours for Shelby moves for Mitrovic, but he wants to get the replacements in before he agrees to any sale. But that just doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Well, that that is the frustration at the moment. But the club have to realise, and I am back and rough on this point, is that yes, it, it there is a well and good saying we can't take the wage bill too high, but. January's difficult window to work in as it is. If you have to sell players before you bring them in, they're already in, as you said, January the 9th. By the time you sell someone, can you, you're also going to have that money there and clubs are going to know you've got that money. So any player you then try and sign, the wages, are, the, the fee overall is going to go up. So yes, he probably is having to work with that, but someone like John Joe Shelby, you probably could get a decent fee for him from someone like West Ham, but then you just create another problem for yourself. The castle need to strengthen another position. You sell John Joe Shelby, you're losing one of your creative players in the middle, you're probably going to need another one. So you're generating funds to then solve the problem you've just created for yourself by selling them. I don't see the logic in selling Shelby. Mitrovic is slightly different, but he has clearly not rate him. Newcastle are going to want 15 million plus from by the looks of things, which even in this window, I think they're going to struggle. And then wants a different striker in. So Mitrovic is different and Benitez doesn't trust him. Shelby offers something different. He does play frequently. He is an option in there. So it, it is, as Lee says, the whole thing's a mess. It shouldn't have been left this late. And Newcastle are really having to try and scratch around to try and get players in with 11 days until Benitez's self-imposed deadline, 22 days or whatever it is till the end of the window, and they haven't signed anyone yet and they haven't sold anyone yet. It's just it really is possible. It's the madness of the transfer window, isn't it? Because it's kind of a domino effect that you need to happen. Yeah. So you see it in, in, in Everton have signed Tosson, so they've got their man in, and now there's a couple of two or three players we're here are going to be released because of that. So it's too much of a risk to, to flog a player and get the money in and then think you might be able to do a deal to replace him. It's all got to be stacked up. In, in one long line of it's like a housing chain you know uh, four or five or six deals in the pipeline and then once one goes then others can start and others can start happening it's just what triggers that that, that domino effect really I think as well with, with the January window that the successful clubs in January are the ones that they've set the stall out very early and like Everton probably put a lot of legwork in for, for the Tossin deal um, and, it, and it happened quite quickly um, Newcastle I think Rafa might have been ready, but the people around him, as you mentioned before, weren't ready. So it's it's a huge problem. And the other the other little point I'd make is, is that Newcastle in this strange position where the inquire out a player and they get like quoted say twenty seven million, and then they try and sell a player and then they they might get the asking price, uh, the the price they paid for someone like Shelby, 
or the, you know they're struggling to get 15 million for Mitrovic they they get lowballed and then they and get the charged at the other end it's such a frustrating position and obviously Rafa knew all about Tosin and had him you know had the deal no, yeah. examined, etc. And he, and he, in the summer, it was you know yeah. he was thinking fifteen to eighteen million, yeah. um, maybe at twenty at a push, mm-hmm. and then now he's gone for twenty seven. Yeah. So even even a deal that Newcastle were aware of and could have got dipping their toes into and had a look at ends up like ten million, fifteen million more yeah. than they thought. And, and you that know, and yeah, and you know, in, the, in under the previous regime with, with Freddie Shepard and John Hall, that they would go out and get those players. They'd make sure that they were flying over to Turkey, which Everton did. They flew over, they got the deal thrashed out and, and they, they come back. But Newcastle just works sometimes so slowly on deals. And They're never on the front foot. No. They're never just going back and we're going in there for that player. Exactly. And then it just creates panic at the end of the window. Everyone kicks off on Twitter. You know, we, we get some comments, uh, the forums, it all kicks off on there, the radio phone-ins and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's, it's always a sticky end of the window. The frustrating thing for me is that this is, if you take out the championship season, we're now four successive transfer windows in the Premier League if not five where everyone's known Newcastle need a goal scorer Mitrovic came in and one of them and quickly realised that it wasn't going to be the case but it's just it is like Groundhog Day everyone knows they need a goal scorer everyone's known they've needed a goal scorer since the, the summer window shut everyone said they've needed a goal scorer we said it during it but said it during Rafa said it himself everyone's known it and yet here we are nine days in and they're no closer to actually bringing that player in and it's, it's ridiculous there's a weird reluctance to break that transfer record which was yeah. set Michael Owen 17 million Alan Shearer 15-16 million um, and they don't they seem to see that as their ceiling and not want to break that but in the modern world I mean, the game's moved on It's like, that's a decade ago and it's been proven that when they've spent big on players before, like Wijnaldum uh, and Townsend, if they have a good season yeah. and, and you want to sell them, you can sell them for a yeah. load more. You know, yeah. double the money on Wijnaldum, twenty million more. They can, make, they can if they just up their up the scale of what they're prepared to pay. Then when they want to sell, they can get they can you know cash in even more so uh, a couple of years down the line. So it's actually those players that you're spending big on, you can almost make the profit that pays for their wages that you've had them for two years and get your money back. It's a kind of weird, it's a weird um, sort of market that they're not, they don't seem to be wanting to get involved in, which can actually end up paying for itself if they just have that initial risk out, risky outlay. Mm-hmm. It's very frustrating. A lot of fans on Twitter asking, or, or rather saying that the Christmas results, you know, 7 out of 12 um, points available, maybe has been not as beneficial on terms of the hierarchy mm-hmm. than saying actually, you know, we do need to go out and buy yeah. players. Do you, think that's, do you think that's the case? Do the, do the, the board realise just how important this January transfer window is? Well, the f- you know what if they'd have had a really bad Christmas then I think they might be panicking now and definitely buying now they're probably thinking mm, 22 points if we beat Swansea that's 25 if we beat Burnley 28 then you're only four wins away from safety and they've been known in the past to say you've got enough to get out of this and I think that they might that, that's, that was certainly the case last uh, January in the championship it was like you've got enough to get up you're second in the league or top of the league or whatever it was at the time uh, just get on with it with what you've got, and, uh, and it just seems to be creeping towards that again. Um, I think they might get a couple of loans in. There's no doubt about that. They've just got to be the right loans. Um, they can't waste them. But in terms of them getting loads to spend, he still doesn't even know how much he's got to spend mm. on January the 9th. So what does that tell you, Christian? Do you think there is enough there for, for them to, to, to survive, or do they need a couple of extra players in to to ensure that? I think at the moment it's slightly better than a coin flip in terms of survival 
but I wouldn't put it much better than that. Maybe 55, 45, 60, 40. Um, I think they are capable of surviving, but it's going to be a push. They're inexperienced. If they were to sign two or three players, a striker in particular, uh, a left-sided player, as Benitez wants, maybe a goalkeeper or midfielder, I think he could push it up to closer towards the 75% mark. I think they, they're not miles away from being a, a decent side uh, who should be able to pull away from it, but at the moment I think there's a risk. There was a risk last year in the Championship where you always thought they could go up, but Benitez knew if they signed a couple of players then they would almost guarantee going up. If they'd signed Townsend and another player then you would have thought that it wouldn't have been like it gone the last day of the season as it did to win the title. I think they would have won it by five or six points. Um, and That's the position I see them at the moment. I think at the moment it's going to be right through to the final day, whereas if they can sign a couple of players you might be able to, to pull away from it by hopefully April. But, I mean, Rafa must be very frustrated because he obviously likes to plan, didn't get what he wanted last year, didn't get really what he wanted this summer. And what he said was he wanted an experienced goalkeeper, he wanted a striker yeah. and some, some experience, and it's, he didn't get it. But it's, everything he's worn is kind of ringing true, do you think? Yeah, yeah I mean, it is. Exactly. I mean, he, he warned in the summer that they needed more, and he didn't get it, and that's why they're struggling. I mean, I think the one player who, who has been brilliant uh, is Marino, and he was when you're doing his lists of different positions and he was the number one choice for that position and that, and they got him you know, that, and, he, and he knew about that this time last year that he was available so Marino was the one signing he got um, when you go to Jocelyn who you know, really gives us all does, his, does the business wins his headers chest it down links play but he's not a goal scorer and he hasn't got any pace it doesn't matter he's five million quid you know, he's, it's, he's a bargain and he's doing the best he can so everyone should get behind him so he's got he ended up getting those sort of signings and making the best of them and I think in this this window, he, he's not being an absolute pessimist. When he when he speaks to us on a Friday, he's not like dis- completely despairing at this stage of the window that nothing's going to happen. He th- he still thinks stuff can be done to boost his team, um, not just to just survive relegation, but uh, you know to get if if he gets three or four signings in tenth to fifteenth place, you can you can finish in tenth to fifteenth place. That's what he believes. You know he's not being a moaning pessimist like you, you think he might be. Um, if he gets the people, but we don't know if he's going to get the people. Who, do, who does? The people in charge, two or three people in charge. And after, you know, arguably two windows where he hasn't got what he wanted, possibly a third coming up now, I mean, how far can Rafa Benitez's patience be tested, do you think? That, I mean, that is a really, that is the question that is the biggest looming <laughs> worry for all Newcastle fans and us as journalists as well. I mean, anyone, anyone who cares about the club. Three windows of not getting what he wants. Um, not be he, he's come in and he's taught the club to kind of think his attitude is that the club should think big and should aim to challenge in the FA Cup or challenge in the Cups and start punching its weight around 7th or 8th you know you can might maybe break into the top 6 if you have a good season that's the kind of thing which Benitez came to Newcastle to do and, and then you see in three transfer windows the people in charge aren't letting him do that now what is only so so much a man can do, or a talented, brilliant coach like him with all that experience can do at Newcastle, and be happy and content with scrapping at the bottom. Very unusual situation for him to be in. I think he's coping really well with it, and he's 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 doing all he can tactically, switching players round, motivational techniques, all that kind of thing, doing the best he can. Um, but he, I don't think he'll walk out this season. I don't think that's his style. There is an argument, though, which says, come February, he gets nothing delivered by the club. He's been let down again. No takeover happening. Someone comes in for him and pays, pays the £5 million transfer fee, compensation, break clause, whatever you want to call it. 
where, where do you go? And you know, that's the big worry. I think I think ideally you'd like to say it through and, and survive and say, right, look, on nothing, very much, very little, I kept you up. But I don't think it's a style to walk out. But it is a worry. I think that the, on Friday he was asked a specific question by basically there was people trying to get him to say, "Do you want to win the cup with Newcastle?" Which is an established what he said when he first came. He wanted to win trophies. He kept getting pushed on it, and eventually he was asked, "Well, do you measure your career on the trophies you've won or the experiences you've had or what you measure it on?" And he said, "I used to measure it on winning trophies, trophies, and trophies. At the moment, I need to measure it on winning games. At the moment, which says a lot about where his career has gone in terms of." He's still a world-class coach, but he's been put in this position where all he can do is try and get this team to win the odd game. Can't even target the FA Cup because he knows that he doesn't have the squad depth to be able to fully do that. And as Lee and Simon both said, he can only push his patience too long. Mm-hmm. On loans, Lee, you mentioned them. Any names that I spring up? Danny Ings is obviously one that yeah. you mentioned quite a few yeah. in the last few weeks. I mean, Danny Ings is one they've, they've already put an inquiry in about him, his availability, how much it'll cost. Um, I think that they the then went to the board and, and put the, the, the overall deal to them. But at the minute, I think Ings wants to see if he can fight his way into the Liverpool team a little bit. But then I think at the end of the window, you know, we don't know what Liverpool are going to do now. They've, they've got money burning all in the pocket. Um, at the end of the window, you know, it may it may well be that you know Newcastle do make another move for him. Kennedy is another one. Um, you know, I've, I've heard. Daniel Sturridge mentioned as well. I think he'd be a good sign if, if Newcastle could keep him fit. But it's about his wages. How much? How much can they afford? I don't. I honestly don't think uh, they can afford his wages. So, uh, look, they, they probably need three. Realistically, they probably need three or four players in this window. It, if they can get one or two, that will that will be classed as uh, as progress. So it's it's really frustrating. Just when Lee was talking, me, I just had a smile come to my face because when he's saying that. When you actually think about what Newcastle having to do, Benitez is going and find out how much Ings is going to cost, and having to go back to the club and say, "Can I afford that?" He can't even. He doesn't even know when he's speaking to them whether he can yeah. afford that. I mean, it just it just beggars belief at nine yeah. days at the window that that's yeah. the situation. I mean, we hear the Southampton are, are um, you know big on storage. You know, they they love to get him, and then that you, you thought that was a mid-table team. Southampton are now right in the muck with Newcastle. Yeah. yeah, Newcastle are going to be scrapping with West Brom, West Ham, Southampton. What for still, now? What for in it now? There's going to be loan signings, and someone's going to have to go in there and go like like you say, like Freddie Shepherd used to do, John Hall. Yeah. Just go in there and go right. Look, we need him, and it'll stop the others getting him as well. So you haven't just got Daniel Sturridge in your side or yeah. Danny Ings. You're stopping the others yeah. having him as well, and, and the benefit that that could have. So at some point, someone's going to grab the bull by the horns and do something. You'd you'd love to see that that kind of attitude. I mean, Freddie Shepherd. We all done many interviews with him, but. Well, I remember one interview. I think it might have been the Solano deal, and you know they flew out there in business class, uh, done the deal within a f- couple of hours, and they actually got back onto the exact same plane and sat in the exact same seats and flew back. And you know that's that's how they used to operate. They used to make sure the deal was done. It was in the bag. It was secure. You know, not waiting until this this last sort of you know throws of the window, and giving yourself an excuse not to get players, which is what Newcastle have done, and then the window shuts and everyone's unhappy. I mean, obviously Mike Ashley seem, well will be the man who signs off the checks, but if he is still on holiday or he's just come back, as I think he was back um, the tenth yesterday. Yesterday, yeah, and he's due to be back a few days before that. Obviously, we're going to the table in just a second, but that doesn't paint the best picture for. Rafa's January plans does it sound if he's if he's out there and he's not if he's on holiday and not well I don't I don't if, if he's lying on a beach or jet skiing around wherever he's gone in the in the Caribbean I 
you know, he can still take a call, can't he? He's, he's, he's going to have his mobile with him. Mm. He's not going to be out of contact. Um, he might not want to know the minutiae, but he can certainly say, look, we're in peril here. It's my biggest asset. It's a, for Mike Ashley, it's not about, you know, him caving into Rafa Benitez's demands or, um, or you know, the point that he should be looking at it is it's a, he's protecting his business by investing in, in the team. Um, the business is at risk of losing 60 million quid if they go down and a hell, uh, and probably the manager and a hell of a lot of goodwill that has been built up by Benitez over the last two two years. The, the, there's a head of steam at Newcastle which he could build on um, uh, if he gives them money. And it's uh, for, for Ashley, he's, it's about him protecting Newcastle United as an asset which is worth around 300 million. If they go down, it's going to be 150 million immediately because of the income and there's a big risk of attached to going to the championship and you might not come back first time the next time. Um, so he, he needs to make the calculations in his own head that not spending and not giving Benitez what he needs or what he thinks he needs um, is just a huge risk. And if it doesn't come off, fine, you've taken that gamble and people are just not, not going to complain, but at least protect himself and protect the asset he's got. If that's all he's thinking about, if he's just thinking about big picture millions and tens of millions, then just protect it and strengthen the team. But what we've all been told from various people over the last 18 months, two years, Mike Ashley takes a backward approach now, Mike Ashley's involved. We first saw it last January, as soon as Mike Ashley got back involved, this happened, and Mike Ashley happens to be away on holiday when there's been no movement at the club. It doesn't seem coincidental, as much as they might say he's backed off, it's still Mike Ashley who is the final decision maker, and clearly that is part of the reason why this has all been held up. And what do you think it is? Do you think it is that he just doesn't want to take the gamble, or he just doesn't get it? It's a football club, it's not you know, retail venture, it's, it's a football club, and you have to run it very differently to maybe how you run a sports shop. I don't know if it's necessarily a case of he just doesn't get it. It's just that I think that he's, he just deals in, in pure numbers and he sees it to himself. That, oh, I've, I've put a certain amount of money in. I, I, that's all I said I was going to put in. That's always been clear. Benitez has a different idea about the money that was supposedly agreed last May. Benitez believes he's nowhere near to being matched what was agreed over a few windows. Ashley sees it slightly differently. And I think that it is just pure facts and figures and... and he isn't looking to, to what the facts and figures could be in the summer. He's just looking at it now and thinking, well, I've given you the money I said I was going to give you. That was all I was going to put in this football club. There's no more. Interestingly, we'll get them to take over now. Rumours that Stavely or the PCP group had offered to maybe do some kind of deal where Ashley spends this month and then maybe gets it back towards the end of the season. I mean, that would, to some people, seem quite a sensible idea to ensure that Newcastle United are in the Premier League. Yeah, but I think the problem with that was that the deal had to be the deal would need to be significantly further on, so that basically it was almost rubber stamped. Otherwise, Mike Ashley is signing off money which he doesn't know he's going to get back, or PCP are signing money ahead which they may be signing to a club that they don't eventually buy. So I think that was always the problem that they'd had to reach a certain level, and I think there was also issues with was Ashley going to pay it up front and then get reimbursed? Were PCP going to pay it up front? And so basically it was just the fact that negotiations haven't progressed yet to the fact that the price has been agreed, that that couldn't happen. Yes, it might be seen as as a, um, a smart way of doing business, but at the same time, the deal has to be closed so that it basically is you are, PCP would then be financing their own club, which at the moment it isn't. I mean, where, where, where are we at, at the moment? Well, I was just uh, just speaking on that. Uh, I think maybe one of the reasons why they didn't sign it off was because if they had it off, then all of a sudden PCP have got their seat at the table, haven't they? They're, they're involved, and and then it becomes 
more pressure um, starts emerging from the fans that PCP they're, they're starting to spend money and then the, the, the deal kind of floats out of control a little bit uh, for Mike Ashley so where, where are we exactly at the minute Mike Ashley's back yesterday solicitors they'll be going through all the correspondence that's built up over the, the Christmas and then they'll go from there really the, the, the low down is the price hasn't been agreed so until that price is agreed and the structure we're kind of treading water a little bit that's the thing that Mike actually did I mean when he first took over Newcastle people said he, he, he did all his yeah. sports directs he had a plastic bag you know walked around didn't, didn't do the briefcase thing didn't do all the detail yeah. but the big picture stuff he went I'll do that deal you know for instance he will agree the price yeah. he'll not in a few details but he'll let, he'll let the lawyers sort out all the, all the small print um, it just needs him him there for the say so and clearly the money's not been putting up and the, the one theory I have on the takeover and you know this, there is um, the one caution I have about it is that um, it's not happened so they clearly uh, they haven't put the money on the table they haven't put 300 350 million which which I think Newcastle is probably worth. You know, it's a Premier League club, huge ground, academy, stadium, training ground, etc. It's probably worth 300, 350 million. They sh- if they want to buy it, they should put that money down. But to make a go of a takeover and make this really work, they're going to need 500 million. They're going to need another 150 on top. Um, and have they got that? We, well, we, we don't know. We don't know who's, whose money's being used. We don't know who's behind it. But it doesn't look like the people behind this... Um, are coming up with you know they're not a city state you know they're not a nation state like uh, you know the people who took over Man City they they may be very very wealthy um, but but we do we have, we have no guarantee that if this takeover happens um, there's going to be tens of millions of pounds hundreds of million pounds for Rafa Benitez to build in the next two years we just have no idea there seems there's, there's an assumption I think amongst fans which might be a little bit unwise maybe we need a bit of caution having said that I do think the club needs a fresh start. And even if someone has only got 300 million to buy a club, I still think it needs a fresh start from the Mike Ashley era. I suppose that just maybe pinpoints just maybe not how bad it's been over the past 10 years, but obviously two relegations and Newcastle fans are you know, ready to, to pop the champagne or get the brown ale out for, for this woman that we know nothing about really, Chris. Yeah, and I've made the point a couple of times before and I sort of echo what Simon says that the one thing I... I've always had the issue with is that because it's played out in public, I think expectations have reached a level which is going to be very difficult to meet, regardless of whether they do have money or not. Le- the expectation levels are of, of, some, of some sport, I'm not saying all, but the fact that there's this belief that, that Amanda Stavely is going to come in, a PCP are going to come in, and it's suddenly going to be rosy, they're going to shoot back up into Europe and, and suddenly start winning things. And there is no there is no guarantees for it. We've seen clubs over the last few years who've tried to invest a lot of money and it, it hasn't worked out. I can't see there being another Man City, certainly not in the short term. So, I think it, I think it definitely needs a fresh break. I think it needs a new start. But at the same time, I think there needs to be a bit of tempering of, of the perception of what can happen. And it just needs to be let the new owners hopefully come in soon enough and then build from there. Now, do you expect some movement over the next few weeks, or do you think it's now down to maybe the end of the season and then? I, th- I just think that this is a critical sort of period now where. They've got to safeguard the future of the club or the short-term future of the club. And you know, if they if they are dragging their feet over the deal and the negotiations are going on and they're meeting up in curry houses one minute and then over the phone the next with lawyers, whatever way they want to do the deal, they've got to really focus on Newcastle. Need 
three or four players at least in my opinion to, to ensure they're going to stay up this season and then guarantee they're going to get more TV money if they want to safeguard the future of the club this month is, is the time to act so my Ashley when he put the club for sale in the stadium he said if it hasn't happened by Christmas we'll back Rafa Benitez in the transfer window um, we have yeah, it's the evidence of that do you think he will put his hand in his pocket or will it just be loans uh, I suspect that laying out 10-15 million on a player at this stage in a deli- with a delicate takeover in the background would not be possible uh, that's what I fear I, th- I think it has Rafa says it hasn't disrupted players of course it doesn't because they're not involved in it but I think it has disrupted the functioning of the club which is already a little bit dysfunctional anyway <laughs> um, I think it definitely has held them back uh, or, or will hold Rafa back in, in January I think it's a problem and we'll go on to Swansea. Um, just so if we could have you know, one realistic player to come in in January, Chris, who would you choose? We'll probably have to say it would be a loan deal, would it? Danny Ings or...? I think Danny Ings would be a decent signing, but if I was to really push for one, it, it would be Daniel Storage. Wages might be an issue, but I think he would be... Uh, I think if you can keep him fit, he would, he, he's motivated to try and get the World Cup and he basically would guarantee your goals. I think that Daniel Storage would be the one. Really? Yeah, I think storage isn't a, isn't a bad one, really. I think he would get the fans more excited than Ings, really. Um, but, you know, the, the the scrape and the barrel, really, for, for who's available, you know. You, you look yeah. around the, the Premier League, they, they want to safeguard their own squads and for the second half of the season. So, you know, Newcastle, are, they're on a bit of a hiding and nothing. Same question too. Uh, I, I agree on the storage thing, but you know I think are they going to fork out 120 grand a week or whatever these wages are that Liverpool pay? Uh, I think what they do need is is pace and athleticism. Um, you know they, they you know they can knock it around Newcastle and they, they can be fine in certain games, but they just need people who real big leg, big powerful sprinting legs in the middle um, to to get the to, to to match the other high energy teams in the league. And obviously, Chris Swansea on Saturday. Um, it's going to be probably close to a full house again. Good atmosphere. It's a, it's a big game. Newcastle win. They get themselves uh, further away from trouble. How do you think Rafa Benitez will approach it? I think it is a very big game. I think that the Newcastle have bought themselves a little bit by what they did over the Christmas period. They're, they've pulled out of that, that bottom three, but there's only five points, I think, separates 10th and 18th. The bottom two have, have fallen a little way behind. Swansea are one of them. I think that Swansea are a team who will suit Newcastle because Newcastle have already beaten them once a season but also I think Swansea will come and have a bit of a go and I think that's what Newcastle will want. When teams come and try and match Newcastle and get Newcastle to come on to them, I'm not sure Newcastle have the creativity and the finishers to be able to really exploit that. Whereas when te- when there are gaps in a team, I think the likes of Atsu comes into his own. I think Perez can exploit them. Gale, if he plays. Shelby's the, got the ability to pick a pass. So does Marino. So I think that the Newcastle can have confidence going into it. I think it was significant that they won last at the weekend, got that home win out the way. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is by any stretch that they're guaranteed to win this. That they really need to turn up and perform. They need to start well and keep that going because it's been quite a few games this season where they played well for 15 minutes and dropped off. But I think that this is a game where they they can really put Swansea into the mire and push themselves up a little bit. And there's a lot of relegation rivals are playing each other this weekend. So it's crucial that Newcastle get minimum point, but preferably three from this before they go to Man City the next weekend. And did you see for, for see any ch- uh, big changes on Saturday? Do you think he's, he'll stick to that kind of eleven that he, he likes? I think yeah, I think it'll be obviously the goalkeeper situation will change from from Saturday, but I, I think he'll he'll go for you know the the strong strong team we've seen against Stoke. Um, 
done the job. Uh, Perez in the, in the mood for more goals. I think they'll beat Swansea. To be honest, I think Swansea are the, the kind of floating away now. On then there could be nine points between Newcastle and Swansea after the weekend. Um, and you know if if the bottom two suddenly become cut adrift, it's then that race between you know nine or ten clubs for that third bottom spot. I think Newcastle will get out of it. I really do. Do you agree? Yeah, it would be a massive step. I mean, it's one of these games in the season where it can turn. And this a win and putting nine points, but potentially nine points between yourself and the bottom two, and and, and other teams behind you as well, is is going to be a huge step. Hopefully, um, uh, hopefully they can be. They've got to find a way of winning, beating, beating Premier League teams at home. A way they get more room uh, on the breakaway. They were a real massive threat against Stoke on, on the breakaway, and it's kind of a bit different, different tactically at home. Um, but I would, I would, you know, it will be a big atmosphere, and the flags will be out, which have been a real boost this year. But I do think everyone's got to be a bit patient. You know, a nil-nil draw is not a total disaster, or a one-all draw. If they're not winning with twenty minutes to go, don't get exasperated if someone, you know, gets nervous and hoofs one out the out, out the touchline. Um, I think, you know, the fans have got to be really, really know that. The players have got to know that the fans are right behind them, which they always are. But don't get impatient with it with them, and and stay right there till the end because the ninety first minute goal is as good as the first minute goal. I think that um, was crucial against Brighton because yeah. I think that the the Bournemouth game was fresh in the mind when Newcastle did throw that away at the end. I think Benitez in the last ten minutes decided, look, we may not be able to win this game, but we're not going to let a relegation rival take three points off us. So he'd approach it very similar, would yeah. he? He'd, he'd almost take. He'll almost take a point if he was guaranteed a point. Now I think he would take it. I don't think I would, but yeah, I I'd, I'd, I'd <laughs> won all three against ones. But I think yeah. if he was guaranteed one point for this weekend, he he, w- he would accept it because he knows it's not because he's negative. He just knows he hasn't got the the personnel to to put out on the pitch and, and guarantee wins by playing this attacking football. Because he has got that. He's he's a tactical genius as far as I'm concerned. He can if he's got the the, the players. He will go for the the big attacking performances, but at the minute he's got to defend. They've got to defend for their lives. The Swansea have got a few pacey players. Uh, the wings yeah. are, can be quite a good asset. I mean, how do you think full backs going to be able to cover that? Paul Dummett working back to full match fitness. Obviously, he's been out a while. Yeah. Do you think he'll have a good game on on Saturday? He'll be tested. Well, he'll absolutely be tested. I mean, I, I think to be fair, Newcastle have looked quite sturdy since he come back. Yeah, no um, problem defensively with Dummett. And, uh, I don't you know. He's a player who's got you know certain qualities. Um, he's a player who's who's got certain flaws as well. But you know, if you're asking me, would you rather play with a a left a recognised left back or a right back who's playing out of position? Then there's only one answer, isn't there? Do you think Manquillo will start ahead of Yedlin, or do you think Yedlin will be back in, back in the side? I think Yedlin. I think Yedlin. Yeah, he's, he's, Yedlin adds loads um, attacking wise, and he's a sprinter, and he's almost like a winger at times, and yeah. huge pace, which Newcastle haven't got a lot of. You've got to have him in, and I think Dummett balances it up nicely. They look sturdy, like you said, when when he's there. He's a big Newcastle aren't a big team, They're quite small in fact. Uh, he adds a bit of height for his set pieces. But the one drawback with Paul Dummett is he's not a flyer up the wing. He can do it, he can support, and he can get crosses in, but he's not a, he's not a flyer like Manquillo. Yeah. So, but I think you'd go for that defensiveness. Over Yedlin's a bit like what you were saying before. He just takes all the pressure. Once he's on the ball, he just takes the pressure off. Someone yeah. drops back in, and you've got that cover. And uh, I think that Murphy and Yedlin are the big pace men in the team, aren't they? So yeah. it's important, have you? I think Yedlin's a, he's got a great attitude um, this season when... You know, not just on the pitch. I think he's been. He's had some. He's had some disappointing games, but 
what stood out for me was his sort of character. Um, I, I think it was um, Watford when he scored the own goal and he came out after the game and he obviously didn't want to talk to the press, but he saw it as his duty to explain the bad performance, the bad result. And I think if you've got a few of them in the squad, that's half the battle. I also think that in terms of when I was saying about Swansea will have a go, I think Yedlin's essential. That in the away games when Newcastle have exploited teams, Yedlin's been crucial. He just bombs down that right wing and teams can't deal with him because he overlaps. The, the winger from the other team wants to go forward and I think Matt Ritchie plays an important part when he plays there because he will drop deep and he will cover in. So I think that Yedlin will be an important part of whatever game plan Newcastle have. I mean, I probably think he's, he's probably one of the top 10 quickest players in the Premier League, I would okay. say. They used to, many years ago. I don't know if you, I don't know if Chris will remember, but Simon might remember. Uh, they had the, it was like the sprint challenge before the League Cup final. Yeah. And a guy called uh, John Williams, the flying postman from Swansea, he won it. Yeah. And uh, I think if the, the, if they were, st- I couldn't see modern Premier League players taking part. No. Well, actually, on the, on the sprint racing thing, I went to a, when Jarrow hosted a few decent international athletics meetings. Jarrow. Yeah. <laughs> Not Gated. Um, it was the British Championships, and they had a Sunderland players versus Newcastle players race. Right. It'd be great to get that video from somewhere because yeah. it was t- televised yeah. on ITV, um, and they had the strip on and they did a 100 metres race it was must have been July time for yeah. the season so um, that would always be it's like superstars isn't it who would yeah. you, you stick with them in who's the fittest who's the best at the press ups well I'm quick players obviously you more already just briefly mentioned Murphy there I mean do we see it's going to be Richie and Murphy on the wings and then Atu and Prez up top I think it's a nice problem for, for Benitez to have I think he didn't necessarily have that early in the season I think it was always going to be at the start of the season he knew it was going to be Atu and Richie but at the moment Murphy's playing so well that it'd be hard to drop him. Atsu, I think, does bring something a bit different. So I think that there's some headaches for Benitez there. I mean, basically, away at Stoke, he tried to fit them all in and played uh, Atsu as a striker. I'm not necessarily sure he'll do that this weekend, but it's a nice problem to have. Yeah, the clear cut chances against Stoke, Atsu didn't deal very well with, did he? Um, but it's good to see Perez. I mean, you know, you mentioned him before there. I mean, 29 goals, I think, he's got for Newcastle now. I think he's more than paid back that bargain fee 1.5 million from Tenerife he's proved to be a great signing um, I think Steve Nixon was the guy who spotted him so if he can get a if he can find a few they're going to have to find a few more because they've got no money if you could bring in three or four take another one of them yeah you? definitely so look Rafa can only work with what he's got and you know, he's, he's, I think he's doing that very well at the minute I think the players are as well it's yeah. been it's a high pressure season yeah. and it's a new league for them for some of them yeah. um, and they've, they've not disintegrated they've, no. they've stood up they're still in games um, they've not bitched they've not there's been well, as far as we know there's not been any major horrible fallouts they're, no. they're kind of sticking in there quite quite well and I think they deserve a bit of probably a bit of praise for doing that you know yeah. it's a difficult season and they're coming at Yedlin Watford game yeah ball over his head all the time and they scored several but that was tactically what he was told to do and he took that on the chin yeah. he took a lot of criticism on the chin and quite a few of them have um, and they're sticking in really well and the, yeah. doing what they can their attitude is good I mean any successful group in, in football in any sport if you don't talk to each other and say we can improve by doing this or maybe I can do this better and you can do that better you never will improve as a group and th- these lads seem to be the, the most together team I've seen here for a long time yeah. and there's been there's been some <laughs> some, been some bad, there's been some bad squads where there's been a lot of I don't know like little clicks in the dressing room and all that but these all seem together and uh, yeah. that's good to see definitely that's one thing that's stood out one there have been bad results you can see every player running themselves into the ground I suppose that's the, the work ethic of Benitez coming, coming through 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it comes with, with having a manager who's got loads of authority as well. So, like, you know, lads who are just playing their first season or second season in the Premiership aren't going to start back-chatting Benitez and saying he's wrong when he's won European Cups. That's what you're kind of buying with Benitez. He's, he's got authority. His staff are, you know, the most conscientious, hard-working, um, together people that you, you, you'd, you'd have it right at your club. You'd have, it, you'd have them every time. Um so that that's what it, that's what having a proper manager brings you. His man management's just first class as well, isn't it? I think you can see that when when we do get the chance to see the odd training session in summer and stuff, you can see him going round and putting. I think he's even like that with the with the press guys as well, isn't he? I think he yeah. tries to man manage yeah. the journalists as well, which is uh, quite unique. So yeah, I, I think we've got to try and like err on the side of positivity. Newcastle, I think, will be fine in terms of staying up. It's just whether they can risk it with the FA Cup. Yeah. Probably can't. Yeah. And just to finish then, Chris, we'll go for score predictions for Saturday. 2-0 Newcastle. Lee? I think it might, might just be a little bit tighter. I'd say 2-1. 1-0. Uh, it's one going nil. to be nervous and Grind one one grinding and we're going to be at 20 <laughs> past four thinking what's happening here, but it's, it'll be 1-0. Don't worry. Well, thank you very much for popping in and joining us. Um, if you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to catch up with all the latest Newcastle United news. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. Why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?